Blog Talk Radio. From Washington, D.C., this is Caroline. Each week, we bring you the best conversations, news, interviews, and politics here on Caroline. To hear the show live, check us out each Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern or listen on the go by downloading this podcast from iTunes.
Welcome to Kara Live. This is Kara Pearson. I am with Cedric Maxwell, color analyst for the Boston Celtics. And we have done this for the last couple of years, recapping and highlighting the uh, NBA season. And this year is for the 2009-2010 season. And I apologize for delaying Mr. Maxwell just arriving back to Boston from Orlando, where you guys blew Orlando out for the first two games of the conference semifinals. So would you call that a blowout? Well, not a blowout, but I could tell tell that um, uh, Dwight Howard was very rattled. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I I noticed, I I, uh, saw a blur today, that they are not going to suspend him for game three. Right. Mm-hmm. It was a, it was a flagrant foul against Paul Pierce. It was a it was a you know hit on hit on the head. But you know that happens in the playoffs. I mean it was a flagrant flagrant one. It wasn't a flagrant two. So if it's a flagrant two foul, they will suspend you. What they will do, they might fine him. Uh, you know, undisclosed amount of money, but they wouldn't suspend him for a game for a flagrant one foul. But you're basically saying that the officials and the league got it right. Um, yeah, I, I think they did. I don't. I didn't. I, you know what? I think that he tried to send a message to Paul Pierce. He hit him hard. Uh, I don't think he tried to. I want to say he tried to hurt him. You know, to put him out permanently. But he sent a message, and and that's how NBA playoffs, you know, are, are done. You know, if you come towards a hole, you have to pay a price. And that's been since I played, and and before I played, and now after I played. Okay, so. I, I was just thinking that probably he wasn't going to play, but then I thought, is it favoritism for Dwight Howard? But Dwight Howard, I'm, I'm, it's kind of interesting on how he's playing in the uh, uh, games against you guys versus the games that they had prior in the playoffs. Well, you know, I, I think that he's been more dominant in the games that he's played prior to the Celtics because uh, guys he played with, you know, were seemed to be intimidated. And the Celtics players, you know, being a championship team and being around as long as they have, don't seem to be intimidated. They like the contact. It's a good opportunity to get in bump and grind. And I think that's what Rashid and Big Baby and Perk, all these guys love the uh, physical attributes of, you know, banging along with uh, Dwight Howard. Sorry for that feedback. Okay. Um, I hadn't really planned to start right in on the playoffs, but let let me let me back up a couple of steps, and we'll come back to what's happening in the playoffs. Yesterday was the um, lottery, the the draft lottery pick for, and the Wizards got number one. Mm-hmm. And in 2001, the Wizards. Uh, no pun intended, fumbled the pick that they got, which was Kwame Brown. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you think that they have learned anything from 2001 pick and the two, and the uh, pick that they have this time? Well, here, or will here, they make the same mistake again? Well, well here's the thing, Kara. I, I don't think that you can you necessarily look as if you're going to make a mistake. I think that you choose, you try to choose wisely, and people get on Michael Jordan for that all the time about making a bad pick. Well, you don't know what the pick is going to be until that guy gets into the NBA and actually plays. I mean, for a while, remember, people were, were debating, 
you know, with, with Rondo. Say Rondo was taken later in the draft than he was. You don't know how he's going to perform. Uh, it is just a crapshoot when you're talking about getting a young basketball player coming into this league, uh, you know, being available, having to play. Uh, Dwight Howard was one of those guys, taken number one, but people thought uh, Mecca Okafor was taken at the, that same time, and it was debate which player to take. Do you take Okafor or do you take Howard? And now, looking back on it, it was clear that you go, wow, you know, Howard was the guy we should that, you know, everybody should have taken, and Orlando did the right thing. But for a while, everybody was debating, maybe you take Okafor because he was more solid. He, he had four years of college and really had been there and done that. And uh, it, it just turns out to be a choice. So I don't think that Washington, uh, you know, if they take John Walls, he's the best available player from Kentucky. But, again, you don't know how he's going to play until he gets into the league. Yeah, this is true. I mean, you go back, I guess, go back for – Ever. Not, not, you go back forever. But, but you, know, I think, you know, I think about the pick when uh, Michael Jordan was picked, and Sam, I think Sam Bowie was picked number one that year. Well, Sam the Bowie was. Could, I guess, you know, the younger guys were like, who's Sam Bowie? Well, so, Sam Bowie was actually picked number two. He was picked number two. Who was number one that year? I thought he was number one. Your guy was picked number one, Akeem Olajuwon. Out of Houston was taking number well, one, Sam Bowie like was taking. The argument was that Bowie was picked over Jordan, but you're right. Mm-hmm. You're my, all right, you're yep. right, you're right. <laughs> but but then what what happened to Sam Bowie? I mean, you're right. If he if he's picked, well, well, the number one that year was actually a king. So that that's a whole different argument. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, you talk about Sam Bowie being picked over Michael Jordan at that time. That, he was the best available player. Uh, nine times out of ten, what is going to happen is you're going to take the talented big players. But nobody knew that Sam Bowie was going to break down the way he did. He was he was uh, injury prone. Uh, he got a, another injury when he, before he came into the league. He had kind of brittle bones. Didn't stay in long at all. And you know, look at it this way: if in fact Portland had taken him with the number one pick. What would have happened to the to another Hall of Famer they later on picked, or they had Clyde Drexler? So the development of one over the other, you just never can tell how that's going to work out. And and going back to what you were saying earlier about Michael Jordan having being instrumental in the pick for Kwame Brown, was well, that kind of a segue because now Michael Jordan is the owner of the Charlotte Bobcats. Right. Yes. And I think last year when you and I talked, we were arguing if the if the um, Bobcats were going to stay in Charlotte because we already knew that there was some, well, not turmoil, but that Bob Johnson was looking to either leave or leave himself or sell the team. At least I thought he was going to sell the team. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there, there now, and, and that's what happened. Michael Jordan eventually just took over. The city of Charlotte wanted them to stay. Uh, Michael, Jordan, Michael Jordan wanted them there. Larry Brown wanted them there. Strong community support. Bob Johnson did the NBA and did uh, black ownership a favor when he bought the team, and it showed that minorities could come in and own a team. Now, the way he ran it, history bears it, bears it here and says that, well, maybe it wasn't the best opportunity for him. Maybe he was looking for a return on his money. Maybe the fact that he had a divorce from his wife who, you know, took half of his empire. Maybe some of the decisions he made maybe changed his business policy about, you know, his team in Charlotte. But 
you know, I, I think it was an experiment that, you know, initially was a very good one, but then it quickly turned to be a bad one. Yeah, I, I think uh, he had problems, too, with the, the business environment in Charlotte, which is much different mm-hmm. than where he, you know, coming from D.C. to Charlotte is, is is night and day almost in regards to the culture, the... In more ways than one, okay? Right. <laughs> we, we both have done both. So, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's a lot different than in the environment. We, I don't think he was able ever to acclimate himself into the area um, because of that, people didn't accept him. And then, you know, we've talked about this before, you know, the legacy that George Finn left behind. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think both ways. That the, You know, him coming into the NBA, I don't think that he accepted them, nor did they accept him. Uh, you know, it was, a, uh, it was a marriage by convenience. I think when he first got the team, because Charlotte wanted a team desperately, he wanted the opportunity to own the team. And then once he got there and – and both both people started to learn each other, it got to be a point where it it, it wasn't going to work out. Uh, city government uh, openly, you know, accepted anything that Bob Johnson wanted to do initially, but then after that they were very resistant to all the other things he, ended, he wanted to make, and it just made really for a bad marriage. Yeah, and, you know, the other part of that, too, they were also resistant because um, there was another group that had, uh, that included your former teammate Larry Bird as an owner, mm-hmm. and the Charlotteans were, you know, they were happy that Larry Bird may have the opportunity to own a team in Charlotte, and they were embracing that. When it became Bob Johnson, it became a different story. Well, I think initially what they wanted, they got Bob Johnson. I think, you know, it was okay with Bob Johnson. Uh, the the spectra of having Larry and ML Carr, another one of my friends on the team, I think that it did cast a shadow because I think the people were a lot more familiar with the name of Larry Bird than they were with Bob Johnson. Bob Johnson was a very successful businessman who has done a lot of great things uh, for his community and for people of color. But at the same time, I think people in Charlotte, you know, they were more, uh, I guess, more impressed or more intrigued by the specter of having a, a great NBA, you know, one of the greatest players of all time, owning a team in Charlotte and seeing how far that would go. Well, and the reason I, I brought Charlotte up, because I, I want to talk about Michael Jordan and his ownership. You know, we were just talking about the high instrumental he was in picking Kwame Brown. Uh, I'm wondering what his, um, how he's going to run the team once he, you know, maybe not, well, the beginning of the next season, what's going to happen under his his reign? Well, I, I think initially he just wants to, you know, settle this team and, and get them going in, in the right way. Well, the first step it was was making the playoffs. His team made the playoffs, but unfortunately they got swept in four games by Orlando. So they obviously they have to make some improvements. Um, I think one of the things that Michael – will do and bring to this team is maybe a relaxed atmosphere because a lot of owners in this league in this league are have leveraged a lot of their money and their business to support their team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Jordan might not be like that because Michael Jordan is going to make 40 to $50 million a year every year for the rest of his life for that swoosh, that, that, shoe, that shoe deal he's made with Nike. So he's going to have 
money coming in, whereas maybe some other owners might not have the luxury that Michael Jordan has. So I think it will be a lot more relaxed atmosphere. It won't be about squeezing the dollar, trying to make every dollar turn into $6. I think it will be a lot more you know, conducive maybe to what they want to do on the basketball business side of it. Well, what about his relationship with Larry Larry Brown? I don't, I don't know how much Larry Brown has left on his contract or if he's year-to-year or what his deal is. But, you know, I know that there's been some friction in the past between the two. Well, there's been some friction, but I think that it's a healthy friction. Uh, I think that, as Larry Brown has said, look, Michael, we need you here. And there have been a lot of reports and a lot of incidents where Michael has been, has been seen either going, going golfing when the team was playing or, or something else might have happened. And that kind of irritated Larry Brown. He wanted his owner and one of his, his stars, and he's the star in that community and the star in the NBA, to be there as a shining light, not only for, his, for the community but for his team. Because it's it's a legacy that you know Michael Jordan has passed down about working hard, and he wants Michael really to pass that down to his players. So I think that was the big difference that Larry Brown was a little irritated by not having Michael there on a daily basis, and uh, so Michael I think has kind of changed his wheels a little bit and has been a lot more involved. You see him sitting on the bench for most of the games, so I, I think that has kind of changed. So some of that has really kind of smoothed over. over. I think, too, what will help them, though, if Larry Brown is there at least another two years. Well, you never can tell with Larry Brown. That's the thing about him. That's what I know. But if if he's with that team, I think you'll see, you know, you're right, they made the playoffs this time. I think you'll see more improvement next year because, you know, he takes the team and, and turns it around. Well, he's been with multiple teams, and Larry Brown is, has so many different homes. He was in Kansas uh, with the Jayhawks. He he was in – I know he was in New Jersey for a while. He coached in um, Detroit. He was in L.A. Uh, he's been to maybe eight or nine different NBA franchises. He coached with Iverson in Philadelphia. A lot of big-name players, uh, Indiana. Uh, but Larry Brown is one of those guys, you know, he's sometimes like that – Cotton balls, you know, if if they start rolling, and they see, you know, he's out of there. Sure. Uh, still, just just, and I'll move away from the Bobcats and Michael Jordan. But one one thing for Michael Jordan, another little segue. Michael Jordan today predicted that LeBron James will go to Chicago. You know, LeBron James will be a free agent in July. Mm-hmm. July first, a big. Big day in the history of sports because LeBron James is the most sought-after free agent in the history of any sport, especially in America. Uh, you can't think of a guy that has been a free agent that has, has had more acclaim or more things shot at him. Uh, you know, we can you can think about, you know, Brett Favre, where he might have gone, but that's really peanuts compared to having a young guy who is, you know, like 25 years old going to move around and really change the influence and the power of a city and an organization. That, to me, is huge. So LeBron James, if he goes to Chicago, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, that that's – I think it's – it's, Michael will say that because I think he looks at it in this way. It continues his legacy in Chicago of a great player following him, you know, all the things he did there. But then again, it also makes sense because he would, you know, LeBron James left and went to Chicago. He would be playing with Derrick Rose, you know, a young rising star in this league. 
uh, no, uh, Noah, who has been exceptional around rebounding basketball. So he would have some quality pieces around him, young quality pieces, that he has not had since he's been playing. Yeah, but I'm, I I predict that he stays in um, Cleveland. Why? I, I, I don't know. I, I just think he'll stay. Well, in that you know what? That's not a reason. I don't. I, I don't well, I don't think he. I don't think he. Will. I'm gonna do you like a like you used to do me as my good friend Kara. I know if I told you something like that, and I said why, you said I don't know. Well, that's not a reason. <laughs> is that you're gonna have to give me a reason why you think he might stay in Cleveland? I mean, what is what is Cleveland well, going well, to? Well, one, Cleveland is his base, and I just don't see – LeBron seems to be a loyal-type player. He doesn't seem – to me, I, and this is from the outside looking in because I don't know LeBron James, but uh, he, he's from that area, close to that area. He, huh? He's got ties and roots there. I don't, I, I, I don't know, but the, the thing is, if he stays – would they? Would he request a change in coach? Well, here's the thing: if he stays, is he going? And, ret- and he needs a supporting cast. Well, right. Is he going to re- get a supporting cast? Well, what has happened with the Cavaliers is they are over the salary cap, so they can't oh, make they any can. any you know any moves that would be significant moves. If he went to Chicago. And if you want to win a championship, be with Chicago. Chicago is already under the salary cap. So they could sign a max player like LeBron James, and then they, they're far enough under they can actually go out and sign another maximum player, maybe with a sign and trade, maybe Chris Bosh. And you add Chris Bosh to that mix with LeBron James and, you know, and, and a young point guard, that would be a dynamic duel that, uh, or a trio that really would be, you know, reckoned. So if LeBron James wants to win a championship, I think that it would look brighter in a place like Chicago. That's why Michael made that point. Then it really would in Cleveland. Yeah, but in Chicago, and if I'm not mistaken, it's the state. I don't remember who the guy is in the the general manager that was there when Mike was there. I don't know if if I think LeBron likes control, just like Mike likes control. But Chicago has all these uh, different obstacles in place where he would not be able to do not, that. Not, not necessarily. Chicago okay. does not have a head coach right now. And I think that they are like, you know, waiting like LeBron. You can, you'll be able to choose the coach, any coach you want. LeBron, you'll be able to choose, you know, the free agent that we go out after, you know, other than you. I think right now you, you're underestimating the power of LeBron James and the influence. You had the governor of uh, Ohio and the mayor of Cleveland all serenading, um, you know, LeBron James with We Are the World, talking about why, why doesn't he stay right now in Ohio. I mean, the influence. The New York governor talked about, uh, uh, talked about LeBron James coming to New York to play with the Knicks. So it's, it's uh, you know the president of the United States talked about LeBron James going to Chicago. I mean this is a basketball player and the, the most powerful man in the world is talking about him coming to a team like Chicago. So that is why I, I think the influence and his the factor is so large that LeBron James wherever he goes is going to have initially he's going to have some power and say so in what goes on. So if he went to Chicago he would be able to make those kind of decisions. 
we have a uh, caller on the line. Let me pull them in for a second. Caller? Hello? Caller? Hello? Hello? Yes, I can hear you. You guys can hear me? Where are you calling from? Oh, I'm 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 sorry. Uh, I'm calling from Atlanta. Okay. Um, first of all, I wanted to say um, hello to everyone. And as a uh, alumni of UNC Charlotte, I have to say that I um, I love both of you guys. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, my question is if. LeBron does end up leaving um, Cleveland. Where would I mean? I just I mean I just heard you guys talking about um, the different teams that are buying for his services. But um, where do you think would be the best as a tenant to want to you know do it all by himself? Where can he do that without affecting the uh, the continuity of another team? Well, any place LeBron goes, he's going to affect the continuity of that team. I think if he goes to New York, uh, you know, here's the thing about the Knicks. The Knicks can actually go out and sign two guys, two maximum salary contract guys. So they could go out and get LeBron. They could go out and get Chris Bosh. But then who would they have to play with them? That's the problem with with the New York Knicks. Uh, New Jersey has the influence because uh, New Jersey has – LeBron's idol, and LeBron always says he wants to be the next billionaire. Who is that guy right now making more money? You know, it is one guy, Jay-Z, who is a part owner in that New York team of the of the Nets team and also the new billionaire owner uh, from uh, Russia. Uh, Russia, yeah. Uh, is, is his name. Uh, might get his name wrong, but he is the new billionaire owner who has just bought the Nets. And it would be another influence and another line that LeBron could go in. Another rumor that I've heard, and this is probably the, the best one about the whole Chicago deal, is the fact that Phil Jackson might be a free agent, the head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. So he could possibly go back to Chicago. And what does LeBron James need more just as much as a, a one of those talented players we talked about? He needs an experienced championship coach. And he wouldn't get. And who can you get better than really Phil Jackson? Wow, I agree. That sounds legitimate to me. That's a good analysis of it. Um, you mentioned uh, Chicago. Did you think it'd be a good fit for him in Chicago? Absolutely. That would be the deal. That would, that is the place. If he, when I say Phil Jackson, what I mean that Phil Jackson would leave Los Angeles. That you right. leave the Lakers, and he would go to Chicago and coach. Coach, um, be able to coach LeBron there. So I think that is it. To me, it, it's the fit that makes the most sense. But here's right. like the world in, in the big picture. Sometimes the most sense doesn't make sense to the guy who, you know, is in the middle of it. So LeBron James has all the cards in his hand. He's a free agent. He, you know, he can go to any team in the NBA that can fit him under the salary cap or teams would be able to sign and trade for him. So any team that wanted LeBron's services – probably would be able to get him. It might cost them, but then again, LeBron James might be worth it. I got it. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Um, going to the 
going to the playoffs. Let's, let's go to, well, let me back up. Um, recently, I guess it was back in February, uh, HBO had a documentary um, called Magic vs. Bird, A Courtship of Rivals. Mm-hmm. I think that you were a part of the documentary, which chronicled the um, Lakers versus Celtics um, mm-hmm. rivalry. And um, not only did it chronic, um, talk about the Lakers versus Celtics and Magic versus Bird, but also the race relations during that time and the um, how the NBA was prior to Magic and Bird. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now things have tremendously changed. Do you um, do you think David Stern was a catalyst for that change? Um, you know, I think everything was a catalyst for that change. I think it needed a change. The culture of the NBA was not a good one, or not perceived to be a good one at the time. Uh, the culture of the NBA was perceived at that time to be a league of you know of of high flying brothers who spent money, who got high, who didn't care anything, you know, about themselves, about winning. It was all about the money. And the perception was that when Larry Bird and Magic Johnson came into the league, they changed that into more of a fan-friendly, a more team-oriented league. And the teams that started winning championships were Bird and Magic's team. So it helped in the influence of David Stern when he came in of helping those guys, you know, develop into – you know, players bigger than life. The NBA has always been about his players, and his players stepped up and you know became bigger than bigger than big. They became just as big as the NBA for a while. It was and, a- and the reason I pointed to David Stern, I actually really like David Stern. He, you know, he's expanded the league in so many different ways. You know, not just within race relations, but even branching the NBA to make it an international versus being just a national league. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was just wondering, you know, I, again, I'm from the outside looking in, wondering, you know, if he's the catalyst for, you know, all the change, not just the, you know, financial uh, monumental change um, in regards to being an international league, you know, is he uh, influenced in regards to. And, you know, and as I think about that also, you know, he was the one, oh, you're right, when we were talking earlier, you're pushing for a minority owner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, oh, absolutely, I think that. You know, the league could not bypass a guy like Bob Johnson. I think Larry Bird was influential in helping this league, but at the same time, if you wanted to expand in the eyes of the public you and you had a minority owner out there who had business savvy, not necessarily NBA savvy, but business savvy and made a bunch of money, you couldn't pass by him. And the NBA at that time chose him over Larry Bird, and I, I think there was some um, – there were some regrets about that, but at the same time, I could understand the position that the NBA had to take. And, and actually, that's a great move to the uh, the um, the playoffs because now we're looking probably this season again. There's the potential of a um, Celtics versus Lakers final. Yeah. No, that would be, I mean, that would be ideal for the NBA. That would be ideal for television partners of ESPN and ABC. I mean, it would be, again, it's it's just that when you have two of the best teams, uh, two of the most recognized franchises, East Coast versus West Coast, playing at a high level, 
I think that it's going to the ratings are going to be great ratings. I mean, you look back on it and think about how some of the the ratings were when Miami played uh, Dallas. The ratings weren't good because you had two teams, not traditional teams, that didn't excite anybody. If you have Kobe Bryant and Paul Pierce and Ray Allen and, you know, you can go down the name, on Artest, that already is great theater. So you would love everybody's tuning in to see that in this and during the times I played, it was very high-rated basketball when it came out, uh, you know, television ratings. And and still moving in the West and, and still talking about um, race relations in, in, in that same frame of mind, um, during, I guess it was game two, I think it was game two of the semifinal, I think it was game two. Well, anyway, with Arizona, Arizona decided to wear the Low Suns jerseys, uh-huh. uh, which was spurred by the um, bill passed in Arizona, which um, gives the police more, I guess, latitude to question and detain people that they think are undocumented citizens. Do you think the NBA should be involved in politics? Well, I mean, I mean, the sports and sports and real life sometimes go hand in hand. And I think you're talking about a community of Hispanic people who are was very big, you know, in that Arizona area, and uh, the team just did not like that direction. Now, sometimes I think you can that the message can get mixed up. I mean, politically, does is it is it goodwill for the NBA to be involved with breast cancer? Uh, is that's a political issue sometimes with people? Um, the right, how about the right of prayer? George Shin, as you mentioned before, former owner of the um, uh, Charlotte Hornets, used to want to pray before every game. Well, you know, a lot of people dislike that. So you have politics or religion, all these things mixed up together. I think that just goes in hand in hand with the with the real world. You can't be a turtle and put your head, you know, down, or ostrich, put your head in the sand, uh, you know, because the real world uh, makes you make adjustments. Their fans uh, in Arizona are a lot of Hispanic people, and what they were saying that the bill pretty much is if you are, uh, you know. If police see you and they say if you look like you're acting suspicious, then they can document you and ask you where you're from. Well, this is America. I mean, you you got to do something in order. You can't just. I see a lot of people. I, I look at and go, wow, that guy looks suspicious. Doesn't mean that I can question him about what he's going to do or his intentions. That's how America is built on. So you know, that I can understand their political stance. Yeah, you know, for me, I personally thought that it had remnants of Jim Crow laws. So to me it was just kind of offensive, but I, I totally agree this is America. <laughs> and but you know in in the in contrast to that, I know that the um, Phoenix Sun will not be wearing those jerseys uh, against the Lakers, but the La- uh, Lakers coach Phil Jackson again is for that bill. So I don't know if that's the reason they decided not to not to make that political statement why they're praying the Lakers goes. Well, I think Jackson stance, but. Well, I think one of the things they did, they wanted to make a stance. They made a statement. That statement was heard loud and clear by his fan base, and, you know, that was it. They just made a statement. They didn't 
they're, they are the Phoenix Suns. And, you know, they made a statement. They did it on their jerseys. Now let's go back to, you know, being, you know, being a basketball team. So you, can't, you go in one direction and, you know, you don't have to stay there. But as long as you make a statement and a stance, then, you know, everybody knows where you stand. And on a, on a line of changing the subject, we're still staying in Phoenix. Uh, there's an uh, ongoing record. I'm not sure if anybody's aware of this or, or be keeping up with this, but Steve Nash, that who plays for Phoenix, um, has has the um, he's played the most games, most playoff games without ever appearing in the finals. Right, right, right. He's at right. 133 games. And, and I say sadly to Steve Nash that he's probably not going to play in the finals this time either. Mm, that's probably true. <laughs> but, I mean, that's just how it is. Uh, you know, you think of all the great players who never won a championship. Think yeah, of Carl Malone, who never won a championship, one of the greatest players of all time. Charles Barkley, one of the great players of all time, never won an NBA championship. And sometimes it's just the era you play in. Sometimes, sadly, you know, uh, certain guys dominate uh, a particular era. Michael Jordan stopped a lot of people from getting championship rings during the era he played in. So I, I think sometimes it's all about timing. Uh, Steve Nash has to, you know, his team hasn't lost yet. Uh, didn't look good the other day, but uh, you know what? That's just the way of the world. Yeah, it, it, you're right. And it's, it's kind of sad, especially, you know, you, you play all that time. I don't know how many years he's been in the league at this point. But and, and same same with the guys that you mentioned too, Charles Barkley. All the time that you spend in the league and not able to obtain the ultimate goal. Yeah, that. But uh, again, yeah, that's just the way of the world. I mean, everybody cannot win the championship. You know, it's like everybody can't be in the NBA. Uh, you're fortunate to be in the NBA. You're fortunate to you know be competing at a high level, but uh, only one can win. And every year, somebody even, who knows, maybe as great as LeBron James is, one of the, as people look at him now, one of the greatest, possibly one of the greatest players of all time, it's his seventh year, and he has not won a championship year, championship yet. Larry Bird and Magic Johnson had done it. Uh, Michael Jordan did it in his seventh year. Uh, so everybody was looking for LeBron, LeBron James really to follow suit. Um, and speak, going back to Cleveland for a second, since you brought up LeBron, and the, let me talk about the coach. Do you think um, Mike Brown will survive? I like Mike Brown. Uh, I don't think Mike Brown will survive. And the reason I say Mike Brown is, won't survive is because uh, Cleveland has an uh, opportunity to save money. Um, if they, if Mike Brown, if they have to make a decision, I think within the next seven days. Uh, to keep Mike Brown or to let Mike Brown go. If they make that decision to say they can let him go, they only have to pay half his salary. So they're going to make a business decision very quickly here. And maybe LeBron James will be asked about it if he wants Mike Brown back. If if they if he say Mike, I tell you what, if LeBron James said I'll come back to Cleveland if if Mike Brown is a coach, Mike Brown will be back. <laughs> so I think that's the influence he's going to have. Yeah, you're right. Probably just as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Just that, that simple. And and for you guys, I left Boston for nearly the last. This year, unlike last year, 
you guys are very healthy. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, that's what it is. About, uh, Kevin Garnett, you know, the, it was a a closed question in regards to if he was going to be, because we talked prior to the playoffs, if he was going to actually be in the playoffs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, was, it was shut down, no, it wasn't going to happen. This year is just totally the opposite. It's like remnants. It may be remnants of the um, season prior. Yeah, well, you know, that's that's the thing is, I talked to Kevin today when he was getting off the plane. I said, I told him, I said, the most valuable player for this team right now isn't Kevin Garnett. That's probably the trainer, Ed LeCert. Uh oh. If he can keep the Celtics healthy for the next 30 days, the Celtics will have an opportunity maybe to write, to you know get another banner. But, again, it all depends on the health. Here's the Celtics for the first half of the year had one of the best records in the NBA, and then they got people got hurt, injured, and they stumbled through the second half of the season. I think they were a 500 team in the second half of the season. I think they were like 27 and 27. So that's not a good record. Normally teams are, are advancing in the playoffs are stronger at the end of the season. The Celtics weren't. So it's almost like the fountain of the youth, like the Celtics have turned the switch and gone to another team right now. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're saying – as I'm listening to it, you're absolutely right because everybody seems to be playing at their best, mm-hmm. extreme best, even mm-hmm. Ronda. I mean, everybody everybody has their game on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Everybody has stepped up to another level. Ronda's been sensational. Uh, he's had an outstanding playoff. Uh, Celtics beat a uh, spirited Miami team handily, uh, beat them 4-1. Uh, D. Wade had an unbelievable fourth quarter of the ages, really to not allow Miami to get swept by the Boston Celtics. And then, you know, the Celtics beat them. They turn around, and the team that everybody picked to win the NBA championship, Cleveland Cavaliers, with the best player in the league, Celtics beat them 4-2. The best team that was playing for the second half of the year, the last portion of the year, Orlando Magic, now the Celtics beat them the first two games in their own building. So the Celtics really, you know, have, have turned a corner, a huge corner. But, again, it is about the health of the team. And timing is everything. If they're playing well together, then this team will have an opportunity. Yeah, and, and moving to if there is a NBA uh, Lakers-Celtics final, what's your prediction for win-loss ratio? Uh, of both teams, who will win it? Yeah. Um, you know what? That's going to be a tight one. And then it depends on the health of um, both teams. Uh, one, and why I say that, don't want to step on the limb, because Andrew Bynum is a huge force for the Lakers. Uh, seven-footer playing in the middle, one of their big centers. Well, he's, he has an injury right now, which has limited his minutes. So if he doesn't play for the Lakers uh, and he's not healthy, It'll be just like having, just, you know, not having Kevin Garnett. The Celtics really have a huge advantage and, and possibly could win that series. And changing the subject, something a little lighter, something I don't even usually do, but now I'm going to the trivia. And this is, this is going to be a real trivia question. I don't even think I've ever asked you anything like this before. Okay, trivia. <laughs> yeah, this, this is, you, you're probably going to go, I might hear you even blowing the phone when I ask this question. Okay. The show Basketball Live on VH1, please tell me these women don't fit the stereotype of the of Basketball Live, that they are a small 
um, sample and a, a, a sample that's not reflective of the majority? Well, I, I think one of the things you look at is most of the women you're talking about, a few of them anyway, uh, were not married. Uh, Antoine Walker's girlfriend was not married to Antoine Walker. Uh, there was somebody else in that, involved in that, wasn't married to you know, whoever they were, we were talking about. Yeah, the young lady that, um, the one that they call the, uh, the dancer. I, know I, I have no idea. I just, I just seen bits and pieces of it. But what I've heard of it, and I talked to Rashid Wallace's wife, and she was like, yeah, there's a few of those girls in there who have ne- who aren't NBA wives. They aren't NBA wives, so their knowledge is, is limited. Uh, you know, it's, it's a show that it is just like reality TV. It wants to find the dirt in the NBA, and that's how you get ratings. Uh, a lot of the stuff, did it, some of the things they talk about, did they happen? Obviously it did. Uh, you know, some of the, you know, fooling around and all that kind of stuff and cheating and, and backbiting and all those things. Yeah, those things happen. But, you know, I think it is typical of the way we have our shows right now that it is shock television. I mean, we can look at what happened to, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, Bobby Brown, Whitney Houston show, uh, you know, Flavor Flav, uh, you know, uh, Donnie and Marie, everybody has a reality show, and the reality shows that have the best ratings are the ones that sometimes are the most idiotic. Right. On that note, I said I would, I would end with the trivia question. I greatly appreciate you again being on Carol Live. Uh, maybe we'll do it again next year. All right. We'll holler at you, girl. Have a and good one. go Celtics. All right. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks again. All right. And thank you all again for listening to Kara Live.